0: This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. Well, welcome to episode number 28 of According to Flint and uh, going back to our Western sports roots. And happy to have the PBR two-time world champion, fellow Montanan. We're so close, yet so far away. It's the one and only coffee-drinking Jess Lockwood. Good to have you finally, buddy. Good to see you.
1: Good to have you finally. Thanks for letting me on here.
0: Yeah, and I don't see you as much. I saw you recently in Nashville, and it was like, we never see each other. You're hurt all the time. So I never see you. So.
1: I've, I've never went a full season in PBR without being hurt, but these last year and a half, last year when I had that hamstring injury and then we missed some stuff, you know, so it's just been a year and a half of being hurt it's just um, not my cup of tea.
0: Well, you bring it up. So I'll just go with it. Tell us, tell us the progression of that. We it, you're in Kansas city. We'll just jump right in here on the hard hitting topics. Right, We're in Kansas city. You get stretched out. you, you, pop your hamstring it pulled it what exactly did it do
1: yeah so like me and mcbride were talking about it just yesterday even just how big of a freak deal it was because <clears throat> i rode that bull won the short round mm-hmm. ended up second in the van or third i think and i go to get off and just a normal get off you know but that bull was bucking so hard uh he kicked over the top of me and my right spur caught the flank strap and i had my left leg out to catch me And it ripped and slammed me into the ground and stretched me apart. So it completely tore my hamstring, like the tendons, muscles, ligaments, all off the bone, cut them in half, halfway down. And from that, flew up to uh, New York City for complete hamstring reconstructive surgery. Did that, come back last September, and September to this May, you know, as anyone else, just... Didn't
0: look like me, no. and couldn't stay on. Well, I got it. I, I need to. You just reminded me of something. I don't know if you remember. We sat in Billings. Billings had got moved to uh, to September. We did an event here in town, and we were sitting in sports medicine. And you told me, Flynn. He said, "I'm I'm doing everything right, but I can't control my legs. I think something else is wrong." Right? Yeah. Do you remember? Well, we had that, that
1: come this year. Okay. Because- Last year in Billings, uh, in the fall, that was my first event back.
0: Yeah, okay. And I
1: didn't feel it as much then, but, I mean, from riding the rest of that year and starting this year and riding through this year, that's when I told you. That's right. That
0: was this spring. That was, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Like, I can't, it just seems like I can't do anything right on the back of bull. Nothing works, and I'm trying as hard as I can to fix stuff, but it's, like, it shouldn't be this hard for me because at the beginning of 2019, And from there to 2020, before I got hurt, it was almost like bull riding got easy to me. Everything slowed down and it felt like all I needed to do was nod my head and I was going to stay on. Mm -hmm. And when it, when I came back from that injury and it just felt like nothing would work. You know, I never felt like I was hurting up in that pelvis where they ended up figuring out from that wreck back in March. It had been torn apart. So I never said anything.
0: Basically, they missed it right there was another injury they missed
1: yeah because they just checked they checked that hamstring because tandy knew right away that oh it's hamstring and of course it was i mean that was worse than this pelvis but my pelvis ended ended up being split in two Uh, my core muscles had ripped off my pelvis both hamstrings both groins had ripped off the pelvis and uh they had to go in and tie all that back together and when tandy looked at it Because at Billings, when I told you that, I had Tandy check it because I was Mm -hmm. like, it's been bothering me, Tandy, sore feeling, not hurting. And that's why it's taken me this long to say something. And when I went down to him, he came into the office and he has his little laptop, you know, he always has. Always. Sets it down. He just looks at it and looks over at me. He goes, you're telling me this didn't hurt. I said, nope, i never hurt. Just felt sore. He said, are you lying to me? I said, no, I swear to God, Dandy. He said, well, your damn pelvis isn't two. Like, it should hurt you to walk around, let alone sit on a bull, and then let alone even try to ride a bull. So I don't know how this wouldn't have hurt you. So it was at least comforting to know that I didn't just suck like I thought I did. (laughs) Because it got to the point where I was like, if it doesn't, honestly, if it doesn't get better by the end of the year, well, I don't need to be riding bulls because all I'm doing is hurting myself at this point and I can't stay on anything.
0: Well, I, that was kind of my next statement. When when I got word after talking to you, then a few days later, I get word that that's the injury. It sounds weird, and I think you have the same feeling I did. I've never been so relieved to hear someone was injured. Oh, like, Yeah. Because I don't know if you know this, and, and through our conversation today, people will probably pick up. Um, you know, I've always said, Jess is a turd. I call you, you know, you're peckerhead to me, you know. But, but I always defend you in certain ways. Like, when you were not riding as well, people were like, oh, it's in his head, Lockwood's done, Lockwood's done. Yeah. So when this injury came about, I was like, I knew something was wrong. Like, it's a yeah. relief.
1: It was such a relief, you know, surgery sucks, but I was never, I was so happy to get the surgery because I knew now I can go back to riding like the old Jess and not this Jess that was around from September to May that couldn't stay on a thing. And it's funny because Lambert McBride, as soon as I got word of what it was and told them that you could just tell they were like, oh, thank God, because we didn't have no answers for you. <laughs> thank we, you. We didn't have any answers for you.
0: Thank God. And Cooper
1: Davis over the weekend, he said he'd been over to Lambert's with McBride and JW a couple times here lately and said one morning they were sitting around and drinking coffee and just all of a sudden they started talking about me and all three of those old timers, you know, the legends, they were like, Oh God, it was so nice to know that Jess was hurt because we didn't know what to tell him at that point. <laughs> so thank God he was hurt.
0: You're washed up. Oh, thank yeah. God he's not washed up 20. What are you now? 23, 23, 24 but, in a couple of weeks, uh, 24 years old. His career's done. He's just yeah. feeding cows all winter now. Damn right. Um, and
1: you know, that's what I was thinking. Cause like I said, I was never hurt and I was just sore and I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I knew I couldn't get to my rope when I was riding and I knew I couldn't really control my legs that well, but Yeah, really. Well,
0: and now as this airs, the timeline is up to you, right? That's is that what I'm getting from Tanny Freeman? Hey, you're ready physically, healing wise. Now it's when you're when you're ready, right?
1: Yeah, I am a little bit weak still, and that surgery took a lot of weight off me, and I don't have much weight (laughs) to lose. So, I still I still need to gain back about three pounds to get to the weight I even like to ride at, and uh, get some strength back to me, but Tanny and the sports med crew checked me out and I'm, I'm physically healed, but now it's just, yeah, easing into it. I've been riding a horse all week with a saddle and they said, beginning next week, go bareback and just walk around the arena and squeeze like I'm riding and only do that the first day. And if I, the next morning, if I'm even the least bit sore, go back to riding a saddle until I can ride just by walking bareback. Mm. Squeezing and it doesn't hurt. And then the next day, trot. And if that goes as getting sore or hurting on me, then walk again the next day bareback. So it's just it's just stepping stones of coming back at this yeah. point.
0: And you you know, <clears throat> it's not like you're in the world title race. You could uh, rally and make the the world finals. So there's no hurry. Like this isn't a frantic thing to get back for to win the world title. So you're taking it. You're looking, and good for you, you're looking ahead three, four months of the quality that you can ride. So that's a good feeling too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Me and McBride were on the phone yesterday and talking about that. That you know, there's no sense in rushing anything for this year. Can't win the world. You know, if if I make it back in one event and for this year, that event, I'm going to have it in my mind, and my body, that when I do come back, I'm could. i supposed to win the first event I come back to. So if all I have is one event before the world finals, that's perfectly fine. I'll go and win that sucker, go to the world finals, ride there, win that, and set myself up for next year. And if I can't come back this year, that's fine by me too. As long as I'm healthy to start a season, yeah. Uh,
0: Funny, I just had this discussion on the... Actually, I was on the phone with my mom talking about you and it, it brought this topic came up that you just brought up. We we do a lot of those Q and A's with fans that they just always want to know about how, how do you practice? Like, what do you do to train? And, and certain guys there, there's guys we know that are ranchers or cowboys. Uh, I always think of Dakota Lewis. He's on a horse every day, you know? Oh yeah. And he'll say, uh, well, if you want to be a bull rider, they'll have their kid there, R- ride a horse bareback. Uh, you yeah. know, that's a good way to train. And they get this look on their face. Like, uh, <laughs> No, really. Riding a horse bareback. That it really simulates your body motion and balance. I always, I always joke that my girls can get on a horse with a halter, bareback, and lope across a field. I can't. But they can. And it, it really, that's the best way to figure it out, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, riding a horse bareback, you're using all those same muscles that you're going to use riding a bull. And you can't work out those muscles in the gym because it's using everything. From below your neck to stay on that horse, your core, your chest—I mean, everything in your body has to be perfect, movement-wise, to ride a horse bareback. Even.
0: Yeah, you—you you should see me ride a horse bareback. <laughs> I can ride a horse walking bareback, and and I do that. And it's, any more than that, I panic. I'm grabbing mane. I'm clinching as hard as I can. It's it's entertaining. Yes.
1: I can rope, though. I want to see, see you. We'll, we'll go ride bareback together.
0: Uh, you ride bareback. I'll get a saddle. You be <laughs> the man from Snowy River. I'm the man from Yellowstone River. Uh, that's all. What a, has, you talk about these injuries you've gone through, you know, after high school and getting into the higher levels. Has it changed the way, this is a pretty broad question, but. Going through injuries, has it changed the way you look at bull riding? Has it made it more important, less important in your life? You realize if something happens, life will go on. How, how has dealing with injuries changed your big picture of what you do?
1: Uh, you know, I've never had anything too life-threatening th- crazy. In 2017, you know, I think it was a month before the finals when I got stepped on in Long Island, it uh, – broke four ribs, punctured and collapsed the lung, and lacerated my liver, and to me, those type injuries are more scary than this hamstring or this Mm -hmm. pelvis, because that's that's stuff inside that you don't know if it hit an artery, like hit your heart or something, you know, those ribs, those scare me the most, but even after that one, it never scared me too much, because you know what can happen at any given moment, any bull you get on. If it's the easiest bull you get on, you could still have bad get off and it's gonna happen, or if it's the rankest bull you get on. So I've never looked at it any differently from the injury standpoint, just because I mean, like I tell Mom all the time when we may be doing dumb stuff around the place here, Mom, I could die walking across the road in <laughs> one of these cities that I'm at, so I can't yeah. look at life any differently because it can happen at any given moment. Yeah. Whether you're riding bulls or walking across the street, there's
0: got to be a good feeling that you know you're a two time world champion, you got big checks on the wall over your left shoulder that I can see. To be, you have put a lot of financially, you've put a lot of stuff back into a ranch, into your ranch. You've bought cattle, you've it, it's there's got to be a good feeling knowing, hell, I'm 24. If this ended, if you went and they said, Listen, your pelvis isn't blah, 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 hypothetical completely. Yeah. If it ended, you're okay. Like, oh, it, yeah. You'll be okay. That's a pretty, that's a good place to be comfort wise, though.
1: Yeah, it's a great feeling. And ever since uh, when I won New York City at the beginning of 2017, um, my agent, Brandon Bates, is, was the PBR announcer forever, you know, he got me a, hooked up with a financial advisor. Well, he told me to get a financial advisor. And one of dad's friends from Billings, he used to play in the MLB for the Cincinnati Reds. He got me hooked up with a financial advisor up there in Billings. And ever since then, all the money I win and sponsors, it all goes to him. And it's in investments, it's in IRAs. And anything that I win, if I need to buy something, I don't buy something until I win an event or make money from an event just cuz that money up there that doesn't get touched that's for when I'm done riding bulls and that's up there to grow when I need something for the place for the home ranch it's uh i got to make myself perform and earn it hmm. uh,
0: i said earlier i always defend you like in different situations i i see fans speak up or whatever <clears throat> because I, I don't know if people realize a lot do you high school rodeoed with my girls like, it. <clears throat> now we're on the same, you know, we're in the same tour. We see each other all the time. But it was weird to watch you go through high school. Uh, I sat on the back of the shoots and watched you at the state high school rodeo in Kalispell after watching my girls. Um, you know, when, when that was going on, I remember Kalispell, you were a junior in high school. Yeah. And every, every parent there came and said, that's your next PBR star right there. That's your next PBR world champion. And I know there's more to that. And I said, let me tell you something. If Jess Lockwood is going to be a successful in the PBR, he's got to grow about six inches and gain about 25 pounds. And everybody thought I was being critical. Oh, come on. You grew six inches and gained 25 pounds. So go yeah. back. When you were a junior in high school, you weighed like 110 pounds. I said, these bulls in the PBR will break him in half. I wasn't, I wasn't far off. Was I?
1: No, not at all. And my junior year, it wasn't until I think that fall, like right as I was about to turn 18 that fall, I think I did. I grew about three, four inches and I did, I gained about, Oh, probably 15 pounds there, maybe 20 pounds. And it was that case of maturing that helped me and I'm still very small, but that's just my body type. It, and people always tell me, you need to eat, you need to eat more and I tell <laughs> them all the time. I eat, I eat burgers, steaks, yeah. everything during the week. And I'm a big snacker. I snack all through the day, but it's just from my parents being small too. And my metabolism, since I'm still young, it just burns off like crazy, especially when you're working ranch all day. Right. But yeah, if I would've came in the PBR as small as I was my junior year, I have trouble enough staying healthy, even being, uh, grown up as I am now, it yeah. wouldn't have worked out No, it, in well, that and
0: just because I had seen small guys come and go, you know, I, we talk about I bring up Brian Cantor a lot because when I, when I asked JB Mooney, the greatest bull rider he'd ever seen in person, he said, Brian Cantor at, yep. at, in a moment. Well, Brian was a real tiny guy and he, you know, his career kind of came to an end because of injuries. Not completely put it on his size, but you're dealing with when you go from rodeos in Montana to getting on bulls in New York City, it's different.
1: It, oh, no, it's it, big, big difference. <laughs> and even it's changed so much since my rookie year to now that the short round bulls we were getting on my rookie year or the long-round bulls now. There's not a long-round bull anymore that I don't think that you can't be pushing upwards of that 88 to 90 Mm -hmm. on. In my rookie year, there was, I mean, there was great bulls, no doubt, but you were kind of accustomed to those 86, 87s, maybe 88s. You very rarely seen 89s and 90s in the long rounds, but now you're seeing it all the dang time.
0: Right. Um, When we talk about it, you were, should mention, broadest hawks state champion i need a broadest hawks shirt or sweatshirt can you go down go down the gas station in broadest and get me a shirt okay because i wear a different okay. one on my stuff yeah, that's your project green and green and white right broadest hawks are yep. green green right
1: you Green you uh, some yellow
0: oh okay throw some yellow in there you were a state yep. champion wrestler freshman year at Hundred or ninety eight. What I mean, how
1: many pounds. Yeah, that <laughs> that goes to show how small I was. And I don't uh I think it was my freshman year when I finally broke about five foot. I think <laughs> I was about five foot one or two my freshman year. Yeah. I was I was tiny.
0: You were adorable, Jess. You,
1: <laughs> but everyone just picked me up by my shirt collar. Yeah,
0: you so you were a state champion when you were a freshman and then sophomore you lose a match and you get third end up third, right? Yeah. After that, you said, I'm going to be a bull rider. I'm just going to ride bulls. You didn't wrestle anymore. I grew up in a small town. If someone doesn't go out for track, if somebody's all state in football and the next year, doesn't go out. That's a big deal in a, especially in Broadus where there's 60 kids in the high school or eight, whatever. Yeah. What did you, in a small town like that, did you experience some blowback? What, what was the tone there? And does it, carry over here we are all these years later what's that like is there do people still talk about that
1: so the the blowback from that wasn't too bad you know the wrestling coach was kind of mad but it's funny because uh he comes over and works me out during the week and has for a while now but uh I was I was super nervous about telling him that year that I'm gonna ride bulls all of this year the winter and everything because next year i'm going to turn 18 in the fall and i want to be ready to go ride pbrs and prepare myself for that and uh you know it would have been nice to wrestle and do that but wrestling tournaments are on the weekends of course the bull riding's on the weekends so i couldn't do that the the (laughs) the worst blowback i got (laughs) was homeschooling my senior year in order to go to pbrs and My brother, he was a freshman that year, so he's in the high school, which are high schools, 7th grade through 12th grade. We have some of the junior high kids. Mm -hmm. But my brother would always come home and tell me, you know, if I wasn't gone at PBRs going all around in the country, that uh, all the teachers would be giving him crap and talking bad about me, saying I'm a dropout and I'm not doing anything with my life. Because this was before I got on tour. Mm -hmm. This was when I was still just going to the touring pros and trying to get on tour. Right. And they would always ask him, are you going to be a dropout like your brother? Are you going to go do nothing with your life? And, you know, I hear that and it just kind of fueled my fire more just because, you know, it's a small town. And if I can go make something of myself, not very many people have done that from Baradas, Montana. Yeah. And when I got on tour, boy, did their, <laughs> did their, uh, voices change. <laughs> well, I'm in town and, the it's a this one's a really good uh story to tell about how people thought of me in that period because i didn't have i I have a workout building here at my place and it used to be at the home place moved it over to my ranch when i bought this and i'm only five miles from my parents but i didn't have that when i turned 18 so they have a gym in the high school and it's a it's an open public gym after school hours you know there's oh right sure oil oil field people that come in and get a code, sign up and do background checks to go in. And, uh, when I turned 18, I was like, okay, well I'll go to get my background check. And then I'll go to the, um, superintendent and get a code. Well, I went to the superintendent and he, uh, he wouldn't give me one. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I was kind of talking with one of my buddy's dads and he said, that's BS. No, we're going in together. Because you you if these oil riggers can get one, why sure. can't you? And we go in and we're talking, and uh, he's like, "What's wrong here? His background uh, check it, bit passes. Uh, he was a student here. What more do you want? And this guy's kind of mumbling and finally said, "Well, well, I don't give codes to dropouts." And it was like, okay, well, I see where you're coming from." And, uh, I was just kind of like, whatever, man, fine. I'll go work out at home. And then I got on tour. I seen him one time in town. Jess, how are you? How's everything going? And how y- you feeling good? You ever need to come in let me know. And I'm like, no, man, like <laughs> you, uh, you lost me. I ain't ever going to be your friend again.
0: I built my own gym.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't need your gym anymore. I can afford my own gym. Huh. So there- that was kind of the story that, uh, I couldn't get a code to go into the high school weight room because of was the dropout.
0: There's a lot that people don't see. I mean, that's what I always say. people when when you're in the public eye, I've discovered this. People really think they know you, but what they what they know is the person they see from a yep. di- from a figurative distance. Um, here's the other thing <clears throat> I've had i I've listened to PBR fans tell you or me. We're going to go on a trip through Montana and we're going to go to Volberg, Montana to see where Jess Logwood's from. I'm like, uh, you know what it, you can, when you consider rural America, a town of 20,000 people, Jess, tell us what's in Volberg. If I were to pull in, is there even a sign that says Volberg? I mean, it's,
1: uh, yeah, those green signs you get coming it, in. It's, uh, a, it's got the little green sign about that big says Volberg.
0: Yeah. What's there? But tell us about it's,
1: it. Uh, the post office. And you got one house on one side, one house on the other side, and that's it. If you're driving 60 miles an hour, you are through Volberg in two seconds. Yeah.
0: Because there's other ones from from Broadus to Belfouche, there's a couple of those. There's Alzada, and there's another one where there's a post office on the right side.
1: Boys and Hammond.
0: Hammond is the one I'm thinking of. Boys and Hammond. Yeah. So, Volberg really, Broadus is your... One place you can go get a hamburger. And there's not much in Broadus either.
1: <laughs> no. If we usually go to Mile City, which is, you know, 45, 50 miles away to do yeah. grocery shopping. Because that's the closest place that has a Walmart.
0: Oh, there you go. Got to go. There's, and Wendy's. I stop in Mile City once in a while. Mile yeah, City is a great
1: place. Mile City is a big town.
0: Yeah. And that. Uh, what would be in Mile City? Six, 7,000 people, maybe?
1: 10,000.
0: Is it 10, 10 now? 10, oh, my gosh. I'm surprised you can beat the traffic.
1: Get around right. like you do.
0: Yeah. Um
1: so big, they put a roundabout in there on the oh, sides of the interstate.
0: I know it took them like three years to get it built. Oh um, god, yeah. <laughs> Biggest project in Miles City ever, putting a roundabout in right by the interstate. <laughs> um watching you I, I talk about high school. <clears throat> I saw a transition and I know I bring these things up because I know. For a young kid, it creates more pressure than I think people ever know. But I watched parents shift. When you were a senior, you were out on the PBR tour. You you had your sponsor shirt. You had DeWalt. But you really wanted to make the state high school rodeo. That was a big goal of you. And I'll never forget, I wasn't there, but you showed up. You went to like Three Forks to try and qualify the state high school rodeo. And this one parent, this dad said, I got there later. I think I got there later the second day because I was somewhere. And he said, oh, yeah, Jess Lockwood struts in here like he owns the world. And da-da. I said, did he? Did he do that? Or did he just walk in and help the younger kids behind the shoots?" Do you know? Like, I quizzed this guy. And he said, well, uh, he's got a sponsor shirt. Well, yeah. And I kept quizzing parents. There was a shift in the way people looked at you and put pressure on you. It probably happens in other states, so I'll get in trouble for this. Why do we do that to each other in Montana? Because in, I yeah. do see it. I well, I don't want your head to get big, so it that's hard. I, I think you you wait for people to be proud of you, and sometimes you get beat down a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly like what you're saying. Uh, you know, I walk go there with my sponsor stuff on. Well, I'm required to through contracts and legal obligations you know I have to wear if I perform I have to have my Stanley DeWalt stuff on if it's a high school rodeo or not if I don't wear it they're going to be calling Brandon Bates and saying hey why isn't Jess wearing his DeWalt stuff mm-hmm. so I'm just trying to be a normal kid you know ride some bulls and everyone's got something to say and you know that's kind of hard it was kind of hard at that point because I would never had to deal with any of that yeah. and anymore it's nothing just because I've heard it all at this point yeah, but as an 18-year-old kid in high school, going to uh, a high school rodeo or the high school state finals, and I've got sponsorship logos all over me, uh, you hear a lot of crap talking.
0: Yeah. Um, we should note when you were a senior in high school, you were you were second place in the state high school rodeo behind behind our friend Tristan O'Neill. Let's give him a little shout out. Okay. To, he will go. He will live his entire life and say, no, I, I was the state champion bull rider, not Jess Lockwood. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's so funny to me because uh, a good story from that is, uh, you know, we had the state high school finals um, and I got second and the next weekend was Bismarck PBR and the first night at Bismarck PBR um, <coughs> in the short round uh, used to be a bull called Crossfire from yeah. Chad Berger. Yeah. And the only guy to ride him all year long in the PBRs that so far that year was Cooper Davis. And I think that bull was third in the world standings. Just a great bull. And uh, I had him in the short round the first night of Bismarck, and I ride him <laughs> and win the event on him. <laughs> and Cody Lambert calls Chad Berger the next morning. And he says, Chad, do you know who rode your bull last night? The one that's about third in the standings? I said, yeah, just wanted on him said no 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 the second place high school state bull rider (laughs) rode your rode your great bull and you just had to give chad Berger a little crap about that Uh,
0: i I do got to say i was at baker when when they said you slapped that bull you didn't slap no you didn't slap you know what they did they
1: they called i need the replay button you needed the replay
0: replay. i turned to somebody i turned to somebody and said he didn't slap that bull well I think he did. No, any other kid here would have because that bull jerked you down and your hand was up in the air and they said you slapped him and couldn't go back. But we'll give it to Tris. Tristan's a good guy. We like yeah, Tristan.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of my best friends growing up. But he's still Someone's going to take it from me. I'm glad it was
0: Tristan. He's he's always got it on you. Always. <laughs> and and I know him. He'll always hold that over your head. Um. You You just said, at the time, you've heard it all now. But at the time, that was tough because you, you know, here you are 18 years old. Same when you become a, you know, you're the, they, to this day, you're the youngest world champion ever in the PBR. Youngest two-time world champion. It, it, I listened to people, things you'd do on TV or say or mistakes you made social media-wise, whatever. When you become a young champion, people just expect that you should know what to do. Like all of a sudden you should know that a million people on Instagram or whatever, that you should just know how to filter and work your way through this. Right. That's a hard, hard place to be.
1: Yeah. And when I won that first world title, I was, yeah, I just turned 20 years old the month before. And, you know, I'm still learning life at that point. And, it wasn't until the next year and late beginning of 2018 that I had bought the place that I'm at now, this little ranch down from my parents. And it wasn't until then that I really did some grown up, you know, like having to get a loan, mortgages, all sorts of grown-up stuff. And before that, I just didn't, I didn't know real world stuff. I did a little bit, but not to the extent of that. And everyone's expecting me to, well, he's got a world title. He should, he should know everything. He should
0: know like better. He, shit. Yeah, he should know better. That's that's yeah. a famous phrase. He should know better. Yep. Um, because you picked up, uh, you talked about homeschooling. You did a lot of that, and this was something else that polarized you a little bit. You went, you just picked up and went to Cody Lambert's house in Texas, yep. and you know, <laughs> I for some reason on the way here I've thought of somebody on the way when I drive out to do these, I go over stuff in my head. The one person who I miss so much at PBRs, Fabiano. Goes, oh, God. Oh, your, your daddy, Cody <laughs> Lambert's boy, Cody Lambert's boy. And he was funny about it. Not everybody was funny about it. Yep. But that was your choice, and there isn't, I've told fans, there isn't one rider Cody Lambert wouldn't do the same for. Anybody exactly. could go see. But it wasn't so much riders as much as fans created a perception that you were then favored because you spent time at Cody Lambert.
1: Yeah. And the thing that always gets me is like, you know, Cody's a old grump kind of, you know, (laughs) in the PVR world. And I got to see the Cody Lambert at home before I ever knew the Cody Lambert at the events. And he's just a, you know, he's a big teddy bear, loving guy. His uh, son and his grandson live right there. And I got to see him be a grandfather to, uh Dax that was gosh, I think Dax was like three years old when I first got there. And uh everyone is always saying, yeah, you may he favors Jess. Well, does Cody Lambert ride my bowls for me? Right. <laughs> does he push me back up on that bowl when I'm hanging off the side? I've still got to ride my bulls and do my job. So it none of that makes any sense. and
0: he has nothing to do with the draw or the draft or the it, it yep. it's funny how people try to connect dots when there's not even dots there,
1: yeah, there's nothing there.
0: Um, I've had Ty Murray on here, and that was our very that was episode number one. Ty Murray, oh, no, kid. <clears throat> And you know when he was 13, he went and spent a summer with Larry Mahan. Yeah, and he put it such a good way. He said, "In my career, and all those t- that time I spent with Larry Mahan, <clears throat> he said, uh, I learned so much about rodeoing from Larry Mahan." And none of it had to do with riding. Yep. You and Lambert, similar. You guys, you mowed his lawn. You roped at night. You learned a lot about rodeo that didn't have anything to do with riding, didn't you?
1: Exactly. And it wasn't, you know, we didn't ever go over much of the rides itself. It's more so the mindset you have, the accountability you have to have in life, in riding. You know, any action you do is because you did it. And if it was a good one, great. You made that choice. Hold yourself responsible for that. If you do bad, that's your choice. Hold yourself responsible for that as well. So we it, the biggest thing at Lambert's growing up there and living there for the three, four years that I did was just that accountability.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go backwards a little bit because uh, as you were talking about Cody Lambert, I, I think of your parents who, you know, I was, I was clowning rodeos when your dad was riding saddle broncs at the circuit final. So, yeah. I, in, a, in a sense, I, I rodeoed with your mom and dad, Ed and Angie. A- and it got me thinking about that our guys, when we do our <clears throat> Q&As with fans, um, they always get asked, how did you decide you wanted to do this? When did you decide you wanted to be a bull rider? And I try to explain to them, there's really never a decision when you're immersed completely in the culture. Yeah. If your dad's a pro football player, you're just around football all the time. It's hard to pe- for people to grasp you never made a conscious decision. You were just there all the time, right?
1: Exactly. And, um, uh, I was a week old and mom and dad had rodeos and they wrapped me up in my blanket and off I went rodeo and had a week old. So from the time I was a week old, I went to my first rodeo and ever since then just been around the atmosphere. And people always ask me what you're saying. Like, how did you, when did you want to be a bull rider or anything like that? And, I was just always around it. And for some reason, as a little kid, you see, I don't know, everyone's different. But for me, it was big, scary bucking bulls with big horns. And they were just so cool to me that I seen that as a little kid. And I'm like, I want I like that. I like those things. And it looks cool when people are on them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd look cool. All 90 pounds of me, man, I'd look good. Like the whiplash, the cowboy monkey. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's funny that I use the word polarizing a lot and they use it in, in pro sports. Tim Tebow is polarizing for some reason. Cause he was such a good guy. <clears throat> JB Mooney could be the most polarizing bull rider ever in, in our sport. You know, mediocre guys, guys that aren't very good. They're never polarizing. You realize yeah. that, right? So there's really a man. There's a hot and cold there. There's a, there's a, there's silver linings. If, if, if thirty percent of the people hate you, that means you're really good. It, yeah. But man, that's hard. That's a hard thing to to grasp when you're just a person. We all want people to like us. Do you get to a level you're like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you have <laughs> to, really? don't you?
1: Yeah. It's and it it's taken me. You know, maybe until. 2019 or even 2020 last year to really go through some crap like that where people don't like you and you know that's it's fine by me at this point you know I I feel like I'm a pretty easy going guy easy to talk to get along with if you don't like me I can't help you like I like you but you don't like me I can't do nothing about it so it is what it is just I'm not gonna hate you for it and I don't have nothing against you. You, um, you don't like me I'm there's nothing I can do
0: well you're not supposed to have you're not supposed to have fun on a boat that was the most yeah. recent come on man you're not supposed to have friends and girls on your boat you, yeah. you're, you're 24 man back it off you you playboy I saw yeah. that
1: I saw the stuff it, oh gosh yeah and it got so bad on Facebook that I just deleted it because I had family members on there that uh are so quiet and so nice you know that we're starting to get on there and back me up. It's like, I'm a 24 year old kid and I have, yeah, I bought a boat. Cause my financial advisor told me I've never bought a toy for myself. That's one thing. It's always gone back to the home ranch or gone back to my place. And I've been super smart with my money. And finally, he's like, Jess, I know you don't like, I know you want to win a couple more world titles or one or whatever you'd want to, and then retire. So in a perfect world that happened in two years and then you're done and you're a rancher. So in the meantime, go have some fun. You've never been a kid. Go live life. So I bought a boat, and that is the most fun stress reliever getaway for me. And I've only taken it out four times, I think, in two months. But, yeah, I have some friends on there, and everyone just explodes and wants to talk bad. You can't can't do stuff right in the limelight. It doesn't matter. You know, me and Dad were talking about it because he was laughing about it. And he kind of said, he's like, you could go to a damn children's hospital and stay there for two days and talk to kids, have fun. If, uh, you know, I have someone help me with my social media, if they were to post something about that, you know, someone's going to say something bad about that. (laughs) There's nothing you can do to make yourself perfect. Wait, a social media standpoint. Everyone's going to say something bad, even if you're doing the greatest thing in the world for anyone.
0: Wait till I show up on that boat. Wait till yeah. I'm there, old Flint, shirtless on the boat at Bismarck.
1: <laughs> We're going to the river. The yeah, sand
0: they they say the two best best days you'll have when you have a boat is the day you buy it and the day you sell it. Those are the oh, two yeah. the two happiest days of your life. <laughs>
1: yeah, I can see that already. You know, we the because boats take premium gas. I oh. go fill, fill it up once with gosh damn gas prices nowadays. It's like a hundred and thirty. Gu- Gosh damn dollars to fill up the boat. <laughs> Poor I'm Jess. Like, oh, Poor Jess. Free ain't fun. <laughs> no.
0: But in the name, in in the words of a famous philosopher, you can't put a price on recreation, man. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't want to dwell. I, this wasn't meant to be negative in any way, but I, I see it in polarizing people. JB and I had the same type of discussion. And, but real quick, and I don't want it, no specifics or anything, but we've been, because I've been through it. When you are successful in the public eye, when you're a public figure and very successful in what you are doing, you are also supposed to be perfect in your personal life. Yeah. Um, A marriage is never supposed to fall apart. Um, There's never supposed to be bad blood. You're never supposed to do anything stupid, which we can talk about all this. We've all done stupid stuff too. Yeah. Uh, I think that's been the hardest for me is if your marriage falls apart, then you're even a bigger ass than, than what people think. Uh, I've never, because I'm friends with you and I'm friends with her. I've never approached that because I know how that works. And, but that's a, it's almost, is the word embarrassing wrong? I've used the word embarrassing a lot. Am I on track there?
1: You know, somewhat. Uh, Yeah. And yeah. And you know, nothing was ever like very bad happened. It was just kind of, you know, didn't work out and people take, take, you know, a marriage not working and they run with it. You know, they say, you know, bad thing, not too many bad things on that side, but this side I've heard it all. And You know, social media, uh, that's all I see on certain posts that are made of, of mine that, uh, you know, bad, bad things. And none of that has been, none of that was, is true or, or anything, but if something just doesn't work out and it just doesn't work out because it didn't work out, people can't grasp that. They think they got to think the worst. Like I did something super bad to make this happen. in the public eye, it just has to work. And if it doesn't, it had to have been something I did that was super bad. And that's not the case.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I have a thing where, you know, I read comments under my stuff. And they can, So I, I respond just because, to bad stuff. Because I think people want the interaction. Like, you've achieved, right. they've achieved their goal. If you say, come on, man, leave me. Oh, hey, man. Oh, sorry, big fan, you know but if if that topic is brought into comments on social media I jump on that that's out of bounds
1: yeah me. yeah it, and to and me that's out of boundaries. boundaries that's to me social media has created monsters out of people yeah because you can't get punched behind a computer screen
0: you yeah. know no one is
1: ever gonna <laughs> say that to me in person right because they know they're they're afraid they may get punched by me and you know if you say that to me in person chances are I'm probably gonna get uh,
0: ass kickings itch. played a ass kickings played a a pivotal role in our society at one point
1: oh yeah good old-fashioned cowboy ass kicking uh, that you don't see it much anymore because uh, there's social media platforms uh, that people can talk to you behind and don't have to feel scared by it yeah and to me it's just it's disgusting what the human race in that form has come to that everyone can talk trash on a social media platform and uh, there's no blowback from
0: that. Yeah. Anyway, well, we'll change the subject, but okay. I'm with you. I know it's, uh, yeah, it's like you're going through stuff anyway, then got to read what people are. Well, you don't have to, so you got to ignore it, but then you yeah. get that. It's like, oh my gosh. So, um, a lot of people, I think people realize it now, but I find it's amazing that, that your mom married a Lockwood and your aunt married a Lockhart. That amazes me. is that weird?
1: That is the weirdest thing to me. And, <laughs> you know, growing up, we didn't really realize that it. it's just kind of like, Oh, whatever. But as you get older, it's like, and Grady's originally from Arizona and, uh, you know, mom and dad makes sense because dad grew up here in Broadus, Volberg, Montana, and Lisa, uh, my mom and all the other sisters and brothers were from circle Montana. Oh, yeah. so, you know, that's two hour difference, but for Lisa, to find Grady all the way down in Arizona, a Lockhart and end (laughs) up together. It's just wild.
0: So uh, I think, so your aunt, your mom's sister, Lisa Lockhart, uh, I'll just go, I'll just say it. Probably the, probably go down as the greatest cowgirl in the history of women's professional rodeo. I think Um, I've said it. She's the subject of, you know, in pro rodeo, you have to be a world champion to get in the hall of fame. If Lisa Lockhart never wins a world champion, she is first ballot hall of fame all the way. She oh, amazing, uh, amazing cowgirl driven, uh, still has family. I mean, I could, uh, I'm a huge Lisa Lockhart fan. Matter of fact, I need Lisa Lockhart on the, you know how Lisa loves doing this stuff. <laughs> oh, <yeah.
1: laughs> but as crazy as her life is, you can't, you, that's the hardest thing with the Lockharts. We always joke about, you can't make plans with them. Like you're better off just, Hitting yourself in the toe with a sledgehammer.
0: (laughs) But to grow up, you know, you spent your childhood uh, with her kids and you and Jake going to the national finals rodeo, watching the, one of the greatest cowgirls ever. You had to have learned some things about conduct and navigating through this life from her a little bit, didn't you?
1: Oh, big time. Yeah. Um, Lockhart's, they're like pretty much our brothers and sisters, Thane, Alyssa, and Cade. we Grew up with them from, uh you know, when we were babies. We'd spend half the summer at their place, or half the year at their place. They'd spend half the year at our place. So, and just always being around them. Lisa makes Danafar the first time. <laughs> we all loaded up for the first three years. She made Danafar, and mom and dad drove us and their three kids down there in a van. We went down there in a van to Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> And if, uh, if that doesn't show you how close we are, I don't know what will. Yeah. But just seeing Lisa in that world since 2007, even to now, um, growing up, watching her conduct and how she presented herself, it was big time that, okay, I really need to watch this at a certain, when I got to a certain age, that this is how you need to pre- present yourself as a professional athlete. Hmm.
0: Tell, her, tell her how easy... Someday this has been because Lisa, when she does stuff like this, or my, my TV show in Vegas, she's amazing, but she hates it.
1: She like, yeah, she does. That's the thing about Lisa. She doesn't like the limelight at all. The spotlight on her. She does not like it, but she presents herself so well that you would think she absolutely loves it. Yeah. She's such a good talker. You know, of when she's done and retired, I think she needs to commentate the barrel racing of the NFR. And you know, she never will because she doesn't like that stuff, but she'd be dumb not to because she talks so well about yeah. anything.
0: She is. She's cool. She's the coolest little Lisa lock, little Lisa Schillinger from circle Montana. That's what I always call her. Thanks. Flint. Yeah. Hey, at, at the NFR last year, I, I host the buckle awards at night and in yeah. Texas, they gave the rider, the winners, The option to do it remotely because of COVID, yeah. Where we just put them on the big screen, and I called her out. I said, "Oh, Lisa, yeah, this is right up your alley. You don't have to come be around people. Thanks a lot, Flint." She was pissed that I called her out on that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, Okay, I'm gonna give you some bull riders, and just really quick in a few lines, tell me what you. Not necessarily. You can tell me about their writing a little, but also kind of what's in here about that person. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, JB Mooney.
1: <laughs> <laughs> JB's such a good one to talk about too, because ever, anyone that knows him can tell you firsthand that you know JB likes to present himself as the guy that uh, you know, um, smokes cigarettes and drinks some beer and likes to be a fun haver, but. JB, it really is not that guy. He is, he is down to earth, greatest person. One of the greatest people you'll, you'll ever meet. And, uh, it's almost like he creates a persona that he's a badass to the fans and everyone else. But that is, that is downright one of the best men you'll ever meet.
0: Little bit of a badass though. Little bit.
1: A little bit. <laughs> I, not I, on the level he likes people to yeah, think. Yeah,
0: I brought him up because there's, I thought he might, we might go longer. He's loving rodeoing right now.
1: Oh God, he's a rodeo
0: guy. He's a rodeo guy.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, long as we're on chant, we'll start with some big Jose Vitor Lemmy.
1: You know, I'm friends with Jose, but not as good as friends as you know people like JB or Cooper Davis, Derek obaba But Jose is just, and everyone always asks, like, "Oh, are you guys rivals? Like riding against each other and?" competing and like when he pointed to me at the finals and that's just that is an amazing great guy right there he's very family-based very hard work gets you to what you want and not much of a go out have fun type person he just he knows what he's there for and that's to win and keeps his family very close while doing that
0: If I had to use one word, if I had to pick one rider, if somebody said pick one guy that the word classy epitomizes, I'd pick Jose. Classy. Um, Uh, um, Justin McBride. You've mentioned Justin McBride. But think about his ride, just in general. Justin McBride.
1: Justin McBride to me is, he's my hero. To me, that's the greatest bull rider that's ever lived. Just what he could do on the back of a bull and what he could do outside the arena, uh, with sponsors and everything. He's just, he's presented himself very well throughout his whole career. And that's why he is where he is now is commentating on CBS because he did such a good job at being professional about everything.
0: Um, the two best color commentators in Western sports because they're honest and well spoken Justin McBride and Joe Beaver similar yep. you know and Justin we talked I, th- I don't think we were on the air yet we were talking about Justin when I flew with him when he was when he was going and now you've seen it always has a book some weird obscure big thick book he reads he's yeah. he's a sharp guy
1: yeah it it's people don't realize that he's a very smart man like what whatever he's doing he wants to be the best at it and He's going to learn and, uh, soak in whether it's a book or, you know, he's big into training horses now and goes to big horse trainers and he wants to be the very best possibly as he can at whatever he's doing. In
0: anything. Uh, Cooper Davis, you brought him up
1: once. What about Cooper? Cooper, you know, the coolest Cooper Davis story I have is in 2015, right as I turned 18, um Matt Triplett is a good friend of mine for years he brought me down to the locker room at the world finals uh that year and I get back there and I knew Stetson Lawrence before that so I went and kind of sat by Stetson and I'm talking with Stetson then Stetson got up to do something and I'm just sitting in the locker room with all these guys I've looked up to and been watching all year long you know and for years and just watching them do their thing and I thought it was so cool and and, and at this point, like, I'm get to, I am get to ride with these guys if I make it on tour here in a couple months. And no one ever said anything to me. You know, they never came up, hi, I'm J.W. Harris, or I'm whoever, Fabiano, and shake my hand. They just kind of did their thing. And I sat there, and Cooper Davis walks in, and I, he had uh, kind of followed me on social media and watched some of my rides. And he had uh, reached out to me earlier that year and just said, man you ride good and it's cool to see keep on doing it and i thought that was amazing cooper walks in and that's the year he won the event title the world finals and i'm like holy shit that's cooper davis <laughs> <laughs> and from across the locker room he sees me and kind of meet eyes and i'm, I'm kind of young kid still and kind of nervous So i'm like I kind of put my head down like no like oh shit well he walks over says, how are you, Jess? And shakes my hand. I'm like, man, it's nice to meet you. And he sat there and talked to me for 10 minutes. And no one else gave me the time of day. But Cooper Davis came and shook my hand and talked to me. And he made me feel like I was a world champion already in that locker room. It was the coolest thing. And ever since then, he's been one of my best friends.
0: So talented. That guy's so talented. You don't know if he always – but there's so many other things important in Cooper Davis's life besides bull riding. That's yep. the only reason, you know, he's always top five, but he he puts other things as priority, but he's so, yep. ta- he's so talented. Um, all right, I'll do two more. I wasn't going to do this. Sage Kimsey. You know, Sage very well, a <laughs> little bit, <laughs> but not much. You get a lot like, are, are you guys friend? Would you call Sage Kimsey your friend?
1: I don't know. You know, it's just different worlds. So we never, uh, never have gotten and known each other. So I guess acquaintances.
0: Yeah. What kind of bull rider is he?
1: That's an amazing bull rider. Yeah. You know, I would, I would love to see, you know, it's the talk of the last however many years he's been in the pro rodeos that uh, why doesn't he make the switch to PBRs? Cause he rides so good, mm-hmm. but you can't blame the guy. You look at his world standings and his career earnings and that side of the sport that he does great over there and he dominates and last year yeah he got beat but he does he's done so well over there for so long kind of like the jw harris you know and at this point he's kind of like jw and make the transition it's kind of later off in your career but yeah
0: yeah. uh i think there's some guys just love rodeo yeah and that i always say great bull riders are great bull riders no matter what letters are in front of it so yeah all right last one then i'm gonna let you go Jake Lockwood.
1: (laughs) Oh gosh, yeah. Jake's—he gets me so aggravated all the time. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) You know, anyone else could tell him what I'm thinking. If I told this person, they went and told him. You know, I feel like he'd soak it in a lot more. But I'm—I'm the broken broken record to Jake because I'll tell him something, and he's just kind of like, "Yeah, whatever." And he doesn't soak it in. I don't think unless unless he comes to me and asks, then he soaks it in a little more. But if I say something to him without him asking me, he doesn't really care about it. And he was at a pro rodeo last night, actually, Miles City, Montana. Mm-hmm. And he'd went to Baker last week, but at Big Sky PBR, he tore his meniscus.
0: Oh, right. And yeah.
1: Got an MRI from Tandy, and Tandy said, "Yeah, it's torn meniscus. Go rehab." Well, Jake went rehab for three weeks. He's like, oh, it's good enough. And I'm like, Jake, that ain't good enough. Like, a meniscus is like a two, three-month deal. Well, he we went to Baker, and he got pulled down by this bull. I said, well, yeah, you got pulled down. You can't bring your knee up and use your knee to keep you back. You can't use your knees like you need to. And last night, same thing. He got pulled down by this bull. And I said, Jake, your knee is not ready. You Let that thing heal because there ain't no sense in entering if you can't use mm-hmm. – your body like it needs to work to ride bulls, and I haven't talked to him today, so I don't know if it's <laughs> gonna soak you with him or not. Chances are, it's he's probably already entered something else. Yeah, but
0: you know, he's taller and long legs. Your dad was such a good, solid like your dad could have he could have gone to the NFR whenever, but he just stayed close to home. Ed Ed doesn't say crap, you know. And
1: everyone always tells me is that dad was such a great bronc rider, and he could have made the finals easy, but he always wanted to stay home and yeah. you know, dad's the opposite to me. Oh no, I was, I was gone for this many years and I was just all right. And that's why I didn't make the finals, but you talk to anyone else and they said, no, your dad might go half of the year and yeah. be top 15. And then he just, he'd literally just go home and yeah. he'd be in the top 15 and everyone else would be like, what the hell are you doing, Ed? <laughs> it's like, Oh, they need help at the ranch. I'm got to go home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But Oh, oh so anyway, point being, has Jake ever? I look at the way Jake's built those long legs. I think he'd be a great bronc rider. I always thought he he'd be a good, had. good two event guy in rodeo. I, yeah. And he never, never has.
1: Never has. No. Tell him I said.
0: Um, tell him I said.
1: That, he needs to try it. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Track out old Ed, Ed's old saddle. So old, old, old it still has a saddle horn on it. You it, know, it's
1: so old. They don't even make them anymore. It's an old severe. <laughs> Really? Oh yeah.
0: Nice, nice. Huh. Um, as we look ahead as this airs, what do you have you are playing it by ear on your rehab, but for people watching this right now they'll watch it in the future, but in real time, do you have a prediction of when you might come and get on again at a PBR? What what are you thinking or you playing it by ear?
1: You know, It's hard because, like Tandy and Sportsman, they said don't put a timeline. Be stupid to put a timeline, but you know, I would ideally, I would love to be ready by Deadwood, South Dakota, here in a month. A month, yeah. Because that's two hours from my house. Yeah. And if that's the first one I can make back, that'd be perfect. That would be. And you know, looking at it, I've been riding with a my horse with the saddle all week and. The first time, yeah, I got off and I called him because I was kind of scared and paranoid because where they fixed that pelvis was, it kind of felt funny again. And that's how it felt when I was riding and not knowing that it was messed up. And I asked them if that was normal. And they said, well, yeah, it's normal. You're, those muscles are waking up and everything is kind of getting conditioned back to riding. So, but now that it, it's not bothering me riding with a saddle. So that's a good sign. And we'll just have to see how it goes getting on these uh, horse bareback and riding around. But to me, it doesn't, it doesn't seem crazy to say a month, month plus, just a little over a month.
0: Yeah. Um. <clears throat> well, I appreciate your time. And one thing I didn't bring up though, I, I want you to know that sometimes fans watch JB went through this. You've gone through it. You walk in the hallway, you get bucked off a bull, you walk in the hallway and you throw your rope and kick something. And people instantly, oh, look at that sore loser. Well, Jerome Robinson, who's I need him on here too. Yes. You know, made the NFR however many times, fifteen times. He he always has told me, we all acted that way. We all did the same thing. There just wasn't a camera following us around. Yep. So you're getting aware of the camera. I've noticed that. Yeah, you, you, you've you've toned it down with the camera on you, man.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: But also, I'll tell you this: there's nothing wrong hating to lose.
1: Show oh me- yeah, and the thing I always say is, you you show me a, a a good loser, like when I if I was to walk out and not give a crap, you show me someone that's good at that. I'll show you a bad winner. Like it's yeah, they're not gonna. It's not the same mindset, you know. There's a different mindset that comes with riding at that level and being a world title contender or world champion you have high expectations for yourself. And when you don't meet those, you're going to be damn pissed because you know, you are fully capable of riding every single bull there is out there. And when you don't, yeah, yeah you're going to be mad.
0: <laughs> the only one you're mad at is you. You're just yeah. mad at you. Yeah. I, I think Vince Lombardi said, show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. That's a, yep. I think that was him. So, well, listen, we look forward to having you back. I'm glad you took the time away from your bulls and cows today. Um, Honestly, and the guys in this room that do this with me know when we first started putting this together, we need Jess Lockwood. And I said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I don't want to have Jess on yet. Uh, There's going to be a time where I go, I can spend an hour with Jess now. There's a lot to talk about. I'm going to let things die down in certain areas of your life. And here in the last couple of weeks, and then I saw you in Nashville the other day, I said, I think it's time to spend an hour with Jess. And it's been a good hour. Jess, and I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, that, that was the fastest hour ever, I think. See,
0: you spend a lot. We would do good traveling together because we make okay. the time go. When we drive, you would help the drive from Belfouche, from Broadus to Belfouche because it's the worst. Oh,
1: That's that the, was terrible. It's the worst. <laughs> a vast land of nothingness. That's right.
0: You can't. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. That's what yeah. I always say. Jess, Jess Lockwood, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Plenty. See you soon. You bet.